Hey, this is Brian Chanson with Mid-City Vineyard Church Weekly Teaching Podcast. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana, and if you want to learn a little bit more about us, check us out online, midcityvineyard.org, Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, and of course on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. Over the last number of weeks, we've been in a series entitled The Weird Words and Odd Actions of Jesus of Nazareth, and we've been looking at uh, some of the stranger things that Jesus said and and did along uh, his way as he journeyed about on the earth some 2,000 years ago and taught and performed miracles and did all those kinds of things. But Jesus really said a lot of very strange things along the way. For instance, uh, there was this one time where he was talking to uh, a young man who had a lot of money and he told the man that he should sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow after Jesus if he wanted to really experience real life. And then the scripture said that he turned away sad, and Jesus looked at his disciples and said, It is easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to have life. Well, that's the actual text we looked at this past week, and that's what this podcast is all about. Rich people and camels and needles, oh my. So let's head on over to the podcast. Much peace to you. So this week we continue the weird words and odd actions of Jesus of Nazareth, part five. I've decided that literally this could be a 52-week series. It's not going to be. Don't worry. We will celebrate Lent together beginning after Mardi Gras, but this series will will take us uh, up until then more than likely. Matthew chapter 19. Jesus then, are they then, oh, all right, let's start over. Matthew chapter 19. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus said. There is only one who is good, and if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I've kept all of these, the man said. So what am I missing? What do I lack? And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give them to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. After you've done this, come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus turned around to his disciples and he said, truly, I tell you guys, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, then who in the world can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So I've entitled this week, Rich People and Camels and Needles, Oh My. (laughs) Because this is one of those passages that you just kind of, you know, is is Jesus, 
can a camel somehow go through the eye of a needle? Uh, can rich people not um, experience life? I mean, what is going on here? So I want to I want to break this one uh, down a little bit for us tonight, and we'll just look through a couple of the sections here as we work through it. The first thing is that we want to take a look at at what the man is asking. Keep in mind that this is a young man who has acquired a lot of stuff, money and possessions. He has acquired things. And isn't it interesting how he asked Jesus? When he comes to Jesus, he says, what must I do to get eternal life? What must I do to get something else? I have money and I have homes and I have boats and I have camels and I have this and I have that and I have this and I have that. I have my own business. I have this and this and this. What do I need to do to get eternal life? It's fascinating here because Jesus changes the verb on him. He changes the goal. He he changes the overarching telos. He changes the purpose. What Jesus says back to the man, he says, listen, if you want to enter life, then keep the commandments. Notice he doesn't say, listen, if you want to get life, then do this. It's not a a quid quo pro kind of thing. But Jesus says, listen, you're asking me how you can acquire something. I'm inviting you to experience something. See, you're asking me, how can I just add one more thing? And I'm offering to you something much more than adding something else. I'm offering to you a way of experiencing life. If you want to enter life, if you want to experience life. By the way, eternal here, this man is not, this is this, we have to go back to, to Jewish tradition and Jewish understanding. He's not asking, how do I get into heaven? He is asking, how do I experience life? How do I find mercy? How do I find forgiveness? How do I find grace? How do I find peace? How do I find these things right here now? How do I get it? And Jesus says, if you want to experience it, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow the commandments. So it's interesting because as people of the Spirit, we often talk about not being bound by the law, so to speak. Paul talks about this often. And yet Jesus says, well, if you want to experience life, there are a couple of things that you actually can do. Oh, okay, well, what things? Because I don't want to not do the right ones. And then again, I also don't want to do more than I have to, the rich man will say. So what things? And Jesus says, well, let's go back to the Ten Commandments. Um, The first uh, four commandments here are about God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Those commandments. But then the next ones, he says, but how about the ones that deal with other people? He kind of goes after that. He says, don't steal. Uh, Don't commit adultery. Uh, Don't kill other people. Uh, Why would Jesus say that these things would help one enter into life? Well, because these are the things that life are made of. Jesus knows that when you kill other people, you're not experiencing the richness of life. Jesus knows that when you commit adultery, you're not experiencing the richness of life. Jesus knows that when you steal from others, you're not experiencing the richness of life. So Jesus says, Here, here's a couple of just like basic kinds of things. This is the path forward. 
To which the man replies, of course, well, I've done it. I mean, I've, I've, I don't steal. I don't kill people. I don't sleep with the wrong people. I don't, I don't do any of these things. But I still feel like I'm lacking something. What am I lacking? What dot am I not connecting, Jesus? I mean, because if you ask me, I'm pretty awesome. I, I, I'm pretty righteous. To which Jesus replies, if you want to be perfect. Now, we've seen this word perfect in other places, and we've talked about this. Uh, there, there's the passage where uh, Jesus says, be, uh, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And, and we've discussed, and we've gone through this before, but as, as a reminder, when Jesus says here, if you want to be perfect, what Jesus is saying to this man, the way this, this word is teleos, and the way it's translated is, if you want to be mature, or if you want to grow up, or if you want to adult, so to speak, have you ever met adults who still act like children? <laughs> Have you ever been an adult who acts like a child? Okay, so we can both say yes to both. <laughs> because, because we know, and, and, and that's where Jesus is going with this. He says, listen, do you want to grow up? Do you want to grow up? Do you want to adult? Do you want to mature? You know, this was, I was telling Christy um, uh, this, this morning, I ran into a, uh, let's see how I want to tell the story. Uh, I grew up in a church with, uh, a, there was a particular person in this church who um, was uh, a significantly older. This, this man could have, could have been my, he was old enough to be my grandfather. I always looked up to this man. Um, I grew up around this, this particular man. And yet, as I, as I got older, I, I, I began to recognize in, in this particular man um, certain insecurities, and, and, and he would sometimes the way he would speak to me or the way he would operate around me, it felt like there was like a, a, an edginess to it, kind of a something to prove kind of, kind of thing. And, and I always thought, that, that's kind of weird. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but I, I know that this man greatly loves God, and, and I look up to this person. I, uh, there are things that I want to continue to learn from this person and so on and so, so forth. Well, um, I haven't seen that particular person in about 10 years. Yesterday, I was out and about um, studying, and I was at a particular venue, a, a place where I saw this a person across the way who looked like the man I'm, I'm speaking of. But it's been 10 years. But, but this man was, was older, and he, was, he seemed kind of frail. Um, something about him looked different. And I, I said, I think that that is him. But you could tell, I mean, his appearance was so different that I, I, I wasn't sure. And so when he came around my table, uh, he was working at this particular place. I think in his, in his later years, he's chosen to work there to keep busy and, and just to, to have, be around people. And when he came around my table, I, I asked, I said, hey, what is your name? And he told me his name. And I said, it's me, Brian. And I got up quickly, and I, 
I hugged him. I was, I was so excited to see him. And uh, the excitement wasn't returned. It was, it was weird. It, and, and the conversation was immediately um, judgmental and overbearing and edgy and harsh and comparative, kind of like it was, it was just a really strange an extremely sad situation to me. And I sat there and I just over my coffee for a moment's time and I was like, it like there's not been a there's not been a, a, a forward movement. There's not been a, a change. There's there's not been a, a softening. There's not been a a maturing, so to speak. Like the same things that were bothering this this man 10, 15 years ago are still bothering him today. And it, it broke my heart because it made me start to really think, well, am I am I growing up? Am I, am I changing? Am, am I, you know, 10 years from today, am I going to be the same kind of, or, or is the, the crap in my life still going to be the crap in my life? Are the hangups in my life still going to be the hangups in my life? Or is it possible that I continue to ask the Holy Spirit to make me aware of the stuff in my life so that I can, I can keep ebbing and flowing and maturing? And, and that's what I think Jesus is saying to this man. Hey, do you want to grow up? And this isn't the first time Jesus would say this to this man. Do you know how many times he asked Peter if he wants to grow up? Hey, Peter, do you want to grow up? Um, yes. Follow me. Okay. Hey, Peter, later on, do you want to grow up? I don't know, because last time you asked me and I said yes, I mean, it was like there was stuff that came along with it. And it feels kind of, okay, well, still, let's do it again. You don't just grow up one time. That's what he's asking. Do you want to be perfect? Do you want to grow up? Do you want to adult? Because if you do, here's the deal. It's not just about what you do. It's not just about following those couple of commandments. It's about becoming a different kind of person. Do you want to grow up? Do you want to mature? It's about allowing your heart to be shaped and formed and transformed and morphed and molded by God. Jesus offers this man a way of being. Not just something else to have, but a life to live into. And what it includes for this man is untying himself from the thing he loves most and tying himself to Jesus. If you want to adult, if you want to grow up, listen, you are a rich, rich man. Go sell your stuff. You, your security is in all of that. But if you're asking me, how do I get life? You have to untie your security from that. Go sell it. Get rid of it. Give it to the poor. And then come and follow after me. To which the scripture says, and then the man went away sad because he didn't want to do it. So Jesus says, hey, disciples, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to experience real life. Jesus was not talking about, and there, there, are different, there have been different theories and ideas. He wasn't talking about the, an east gate in the city of Jerusalem called the needle's eye. He wasn't ta- I mean, he wasn't talking about any of that. Jesus, what Jesus meant, and most scholars agree on this, 99%, what Jesus meant is you can't take the largest beast in the Middle East and fit it through the eye of a sewing needle. 
or you can do that before a rich man can get into heaven. Or today, Jesus might say, it is easier to park your Hummer in a match box than it is for a rich person to get in and experience the kingdom of God. To which the disciples ask the right question. Well then, who has a chance? Jesus says, with man it's impossible, but with God everything is possible. Okay, what is this whole rich person thing? There is a particular social order in the way that we live. Now, here's the part that agitated me, aggravated me, angered me, all that this week. And this is the part that's going to, this is the part that's going to rub, rub you wrong. Let's listen to what Jesus might say here. Because there is a particular social order in which we live, where wealth and comfort and power come at the expense of others. It's a systemic issue. It is the way the world operates. There is a systemic issue in our society that keeps the poor poor, that keeps women and keeps minorities under the thumb, that keeps the rich rich and the healthy healthy, and so on. It is a systemic problem. It is the way the world works. In Jesus' words and in Jesus' life, it seems all throughout the scripture, look through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, there is a common thread that runs through all of scripture. And it seems that Jesus is calling an end to a social order that helps people stay on top while further pushing other people down. Now remember, Jesus is teaching the reality of God, the way of God, the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying is there is a future coming. And in that future, the powerful will not stay powerful at the expense of those who are not powerful. The rich will not stay rich at the expense of those who are poor. The sick will not stay sick at the expense of those who are healthy. There will be a, 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 a leveling. This is why Jesus says, listen, in the kingdom of God, the last will be first and the first will be last. And we say often that this is good news, but you know who it's most good news to? It's, it's really good news to the last in this earth and at this time. That's why Jesus says things like, blessed are those who are poor, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Because the poor don't have to overcome social orders. The poor don't have to untie themselves from their wealth in order to more fully experience God, blessed are the hungry, for they shall be satisfied. Remember in Matthew 5 when we went through the Beatitudes, what Jesus is saying? Those who actually benefit, and I'm going to suggest that all of us in the room benefit. So that's why this gets so difficult. Those who benefit from the present social order have a vested interest in things remaining the way they are. We just do. We have a vested interest in things remaining the same. And therefore, it makes conversion for us a little bit harder. Because we're not just, we, we don't necessarily hear it as good news when you, when you start to tell me. When Jesus starts to tell me, well, Brian, part of your security, honestly, Brian, lies in your 401k. You have one. And you take a little bit of security in that, don't you? Now, I don't, I don't think, I, but I don't know. I don't think Jesus is telling me to empty it. But I do think 
that Jesus is telling me, you best be watching where you put your security. Because if you really want to experience life, it involves all in with Christ, which means where does my trust really lie? Where does my trust really lie? In how well I do my job? Is that where I find my security? In the fact that I have a job? Is that where I find my security? In the fact that my children are healthy? Is that where I find my security? What happens when they get sick? You know, do I find my security? And what is it? So for this man, it was his wealth. But there is a social order. In all honesty, there's a social order that Jesus is challenging. The gospel challenges the social order. And that's why it's called good news. And that's why rich people have more trouble getting in on the gospel. Because it doesn't feel as good. Because there's more to lose. So at least it looks that way. So in this particular passage, rich people must be converted. Not just to the community of Christ, but to also a realization that Jesus is full of good news and not full of BS. Now, does that kind of rub you a little bit weird? I, I don't know if it does. For me, I've, I've, I've worked through this all week going, huh. Yeah, because where in my life do I want to keep things the same to protect what I have, but it does affect others? I mean, this, this, is, a, this is across the board. I mean, I've even had to start thinking about, and, and I, I'm trying to do more investigative work, but I've even had to start thinking about the coffee that I drink, because what coffee do I drink that allows me to drink a particular type of coffee where someone, whether it be a child slave or someone else who's being paid a penny a day across the world, like that's my brother, that's my sister, that's a child of God. Who is this person? How does this stuff work out? I mean, like if we really believe we're inter, interdividuals, as one, one writer calls it, if we really believe we're fully connected to the fabric of one another and to Christ, then how does this really play out? Or does my enjoying a particular coffee, though someone else is giving their life for it across the world, but it's okay because I can't see them, and I really like this coffee, and I pick coffee because I think that's a super simple one. It seems so silly, and yet I think it's so relevant to how we conduct our lives as followers of the resurrected Jesus who says, like we sang tonight, we're one. Like you're in it together. Like that's your brother. That's your sister. And so Jesus says, listen, for the rich, it's hard. It's hard. For the powerful, for people in power, it's hard. For popular people, it's hard. It's easier for the camel to walk through the eye of a needle because we're talking about we're messing with people's position. We're messing with people's security. We're messing with their paradigm. But Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. You cannot untie yourself from the stuff. And listen, if you're in here tonight and you were born in America, and I think everybody here tonight might have been, not everybody in our church was born in America. Listen, it's like the cosmic lottery. You were born into the system. You were born into the system that promotes Christianity, not Islam. Uh, that promotes the American dream, not the Afghani dream. I don't know what the Afghani dream is. I don't hear many people moving to Afghanistan for the Afghani dream. But you were born into the system, so I get it. I was born into the system. 
But you know what? If you would have been born in Afghanistan, do you realize that the chances of you actually being a Christian are slim to none? If the cosmic lottery would have thrown you into Afghanistan, where you were born, you would be a Muslim today. More than likely. And you would be deeply oppressed under that type of government, unless you made it into that type of government. And then, at all costs, you would do everything to stay in that position. Well, we have our own hurdles here. They just, they're a little bit more cloaked. But we've still got the stuff. Where's our security lie? And Jesus says, on your own, it's impossible. But with the Spirit of God, God can transform and mold and shape and change our desires, our hearts, our passions, like we sang tonight. Move our hands. Move our feet. Let us, let us see what you see. Let us experience what you experience. That, it not, that I not be so consumed with it being about me, but how is it about you in all of these circles? And how might I be formed more in your likeness, Jesus? And Jesus says, when you pray that prayer, that's where the money is. <laughs> no pun intended. That's where it's at. That's where the transformation comes in. So for us, for me, do you want to grow up? Do you want to keep pressing down the narrow path as opposed to the wide path? The path that Jesus promises leads to greater life. It doesn't always look like it. Sometimes you have to actually get on the path to start realizing, wow, this is, this is, this is a better path. That would be the prayer that Jesus would invite us to pray. 